Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Let's read together out of the Scripture because at the beginning of this month, I spoke on growing. Of course, that's our theme for the month. And I showed you this picture out of my old Bible. So let's whack the pick up there for a second. It's 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 10. And there's my old Bible. Still got it at home. It's very heavy. And there it is, 2 Samuel 5.10. And David went on and grew great. And the Lord God of hosts was with him. It's coloured in yellow because the words went on have got an alternate meaning over there where I've yellowed it in again. It says Hebrew. He went on going and growing. David went on going and growing. It's one thing to keep going, but it's another thing altogether to keep growing as you are going. I think it's a tragedy that for a lot of people, the only thing they grow is older. We want to make sure we're growing more than that. If you compare David with the king that went before him, King Saul, you know, it was never ever written about Saul ever about spiritual growth or about personal growth, about him becoming bigger. Saul is a picture, if you like, of the Christian who is dominated by their flesh. Flesh just simply means that they put self first, that they are ruled by their feelings or emotions and by the opinions of others. Let me read to you out of 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 17. The prophet Samuel is speaking to Saul at a turning point in his life. And he said, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? This guy is positioned as king, but his internal perspective is all about who he's not, how he feels on the inside. He allows that to dominate every activity and every action and every reaction that he takes. When you were little in your own eyes, God raised you up to be head of the tribes of Israel. Didn't the Lord anoint you? He's not somebody who's unfamiliar with the Holy Spirit. He's not somebody who doesn't know what it's like to stand in church, raise his hands and to be aware of the presence of God or to know what it's like for God to use him. Verse 18, now the Lord sent you on a mission. And he said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, fight against them until they are consumed. Why didn't you obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Watch this. Saul said to Samuel, but I did obey the voice of the Lord. I did go on the mission. I did bring back Agag, king of Amalek. I've utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, the sheep and the oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Hello, you're the king, but you're blaming your followers. You've got the power. He could have taken, even if it was so, he could have ripped those sheep and oxen back from the people and said, no, this is what God said. But because of his inner insecurity, Can I say to you that insecurity in leaders is one of the ugliest things on the face of the earth. That when we as people allow fear of what others may think or do to determine the decisions that we make, 
we always will end up in a lesser place, not a bigger place. Samuel said to him, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellions like the sin of witchcraft, stubbornness is like iniquity and idolatry. And Saul's being stubborn. I'm going to stay with who I think I am. After all, Jeff, I'm just being real. I'm just being who I am. And all of that, and God says, know that, that what that is in his eyes, he says, that's like you're worshipping a false god. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he's rejected you from being king. A failure to grow will always take away even the thing that's most important in your life. A failure to grow. God's destiny is not automatic. It doesn't just happen whether I do anything or not, but rather I need to grow to be and to become everything that God's got for me. Saul said to Samuel, I've sinned, I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Both of these men, David and Saul, both of them came from obscurity. When they went looking to make Saul king, he's hiding amongst the stuff and they call out his name and he won't even put his hand up and go forward. He literally stays hidden, almost like saying, not me, anybody else but me. When David was going to be anointed king in Saul's place, even his own father forgot he had him as a son. Because the prophet Samuel turns up, goes through all the brothers. And every single one of them, God says, not that one, 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 not that one. And finally, he says to David's dad, is there another one? And the dad, imagine your own father goes, oh yeah, heck, forgot about him. He's out. He's out in the paddock. Yeah, well, he's just a kid. Both of these people came from obscurity. Both of them were anointed to be king by Samuel, but one grew and the other didn't. Both of them had the same starting point, but they had very different ends. One grew, one didn't. So I don't know about you, but I'm sticking my hand up today and say, I want to be a David kind of guy. I don't want to be a soul kind of guy. I don't want to get to some stage of my life where I allow somebody offended me or something didn't happen like I thought it would or some obstacle got on my road or everybody else was saying. I don't want to get to some point in my life and go, you know what? I've stopped growing. I'm just going to continue. I'll hang on, but that's all you can ask of me. I'm just going to wait the rest of this thing out. I want to be, when it comes to my relationships, when it comes to my business, when it comes to my ministry, when it comes to my spiritual life, I want to be a David guy. I want to grow in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, me too. Me too. Let's have a look at David's life. What did David do that Saul didn't do that made him grow? I hope you get this today because do you know what? Some of you are going to come to me after and say, Pastor, you were preaching right at me. And you know what I'm going to say? You're dead right. I absolutely was. And you think that I can't see you, but oh, I can. I'm preaching right at you today. I'm aiming at you. And so if you feel like, oh, the preacher's after me, you're right, he is. Amen.
I'm right after you today because I want every one of you. I don't care if you're 80, 90, 120. I don't care if you're 15 or 13 or 25 or I don't care whether you just got married, you just got a new job, you just got a whatever, or you just lost your job. I want you to say today, I want to grow in Jesus' name. Can we all agree on that? I want to grow in Jesus' name. I don't want to stay the same. I don't want to be who I've always been. I want to become everything that God wants me to be in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Let's just have the benediction. We'll go home. That's a great message right there. What are the things that David, do you mind if I take my jacket off? I'm roasting. Grab the mantle, brother. I really just want to show off my fancy cuffs. No, that's not true. It's enough of that. What are the things that David did? Number one, David was 100% committed. In Australia, we tend to say it like this. You've got to be in it, boots and all. And that was all of David's life. Everything David did, he did with 100% commitment, 100% passion. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment in all of the commands? Bearing in mind that to a Jew, there was 630 plus commandments. There was a commandment, two for every day of the week almost. And so they're used to commandments. And this guy is saying, but what's the number one most important one? Jesus said this, love the Lord your God with some of your heart. Love the Lord your God with whatever of your mind you've got left over after work. Love the Lord your God with, with you know, as much of your soul as you can stir up. He didn't say that. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Now let's bring this down into the real world for a minute. That is the real world, but you know what I mean? Into your daily life and mine. Every single relationship in your life requires 100% commitment for growth to occur. A couple of weeks ago, we married Sebastiano and Rashida. Right here in church. People were watching it online, I found out. On our YouTube channel, they were on there being a part of the service, watching Sebastiano and Rashida make their vows to one another. You know the way it goes. Do you, Sebastiano, take this gorgeous woman to be your wedded wife? Will you love her, comfort, honour and keep her and forsaking all others? Keep yourself only for her so long as you both shall live? Oh, Maybe. Oh, probably. Oh, I'll give it a go. Can you imagine Rashida? Beautiful little Rashida. Can you imagine Rashida? Rashida, do you take this man to be your husband? Will you love him, comfort on him, keep him, forsake all others, keep yourself only for him so long as you both shall live? Oh, I don't know. I'll try. How many people, if that had actually happened, the whole crowd would have groaned and we all would have thought, oh, oh, bad days ahead. 
Huh? How many of you here got married and you said, I'll give you my life. I give you all my worldly goods. I thee and thou, they used to say. I've upped the thing. I never say all the worldly goods. I say, no, you give all of yourself. But you know, I've been married 40 years this year. I think, is it 40? Rhonda's, good thing Rhonda's upstairs. I'm pretty sure it's 40. Yes, it's 40. But do you know what? I can't go, well, hey, I made a 100% commitment 40 years ago. So now I'm just going to cruise on 25. How many people know that that will be an ugly day in the Woodward household? Huh? But how many people do you know who make amazing 100% commitments at the start of something and then they do this for the rest? Remember the job you started that you thought was the greatest job in the whole planet? And you were so privileged to have it. You were so excited. If they'd told you that you had to work 10 more hours, you would just go, woohoo, this is great. Now, the 100% commitment has become about 15. It's five o'clock. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have rights and all the rest of that stuff. I'm just saying that if you want to grow in any relationship, it requires 100% Commitment for growth to occur. Amen. It's very quiet here this morning on that one. Better move on. Speaking about ministry, this is what Paul wrote to Timothy. Chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. Do not neglect the gift that's in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there? The Apostle Paul. Lays hands on you. I've been laid hands on by a lot of people. I've been ordained seven times because I needed it. Because they ordained me once and they went, oh God, he needs way more help than that. And they gave me another one. And then they saw me still struggling and go, better give him another one. I was up to three. By the time I'd finished, I had seven. Isn't that awesome? Huh? Some days I still think, I, how many people think I need eight? Thank you, brother. I appreciate your help there. Thank you, Chan. I love you too. And, uh, you know, but the Apostle Paul laid hands and there was prophecy and there was a bit of shunder going on and mm, all kinds of stuff is happening and everyone's going, woo! Timothy, oh, he's the next Paul, woo! And Paul writes to him and he goes, you had that moment. He says, but look at this. He says, don't neglect the gift. Meditate on these things. Watch this. Give yourself entirely to them so that your progress may be evident to all. He said, Timothy, if you're going to grow, you've got to give yourself to what you are called of God to do. Are you still giving yours? Come on. Are you still giving yourself to what God called you to? Are you still giving yourself or are you back there going, oh, I don't know, it's a bit shaky, it's a bit hard. Mm, I don't know. The Apostle Paul said, give yourself. I read this this week at Romans chapter 4, verse 20, out of the message version. Says this, he didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God. Isn't that a great thought? That he came up to the promise of God and said, Woo! And jumped right in. I was talking to my sister the other day. She jumped out of a plane on her 50th birthday. God bless her. 
I was so happy the day I went with my son when he was going to do it. And I discovered you had to be, on this particular place, you had to be under six foot and under 90 kilos. I thought, thank God for every bit of rice and pasta I ate. Amen. (laughs) Thank God the tape measure kept on going. I'm just going, thank you, Jesus. Because I'm there being all brave and watching someone else have to do it. It was so exciting. But, you know, I guess there comes a point for all that stuff, doesn't there, where you just got to go, I'm either going to jump in or I'm just going to back down. Some things in life require you to plunge in. Maybe you're scared. I get that. So am I been scared. Maybe you're a bit not sure how it's going to turn out. Well, I've been there as well. But I know that the Word of God says, if I'm going to see growth in my life, I've got to plunge in. You've got to try something. Maybe it won't work like you thought, but thank God you're at least going to take the plunge. Amen. Thank God everyone talks about Peter failed to walk on water, but he was the only one got out of the boat. He was the only one knew what it was like to feel wet under your feet, but not wet, it was dry. And to look down and see a, a, a fish swimming under your toes. He was the only one who knew what it was like to go up and down on a wave without a surfboard to keep you up there. All the rest of them are there going, oh, wow. Oh, thank God I never did it. But one man had a testimony for the rest of his life. I reckon he went home to his wife because he had one. I reckon he went home to his wife and and she said, what would you do today? He goes, I I walked on water. She said, oh, yeah, right. Then he went home another and said, guess what I did today? And she said, what? He said, I fed 5,000. With what? Five loaves, two fish. Oh, you did not. Guess what I did today? I raised some from the dead. Oh, you did not. But see, a supernatural life, listen to me, a supernatural life requires you to plunge in. Don't be frightened of asking God something bold. Amen? So right now, some of you here, you need a miracle in your life. Don't cautiously tiptoe around. You're not ballerinas in the spirit. And this is the extent of my ballet skill. I'm showing you everything I've got. I've taken the plunge. I'm doing it. Huh? Take the plunge and dare to ask God, but Jeff, what if it doesn't happen? That's all right. I've asked for, some people said to me, oh, Jeff, I prayed a prayer and God never answered. I was so what, just one? I got hundreds of them. Some of them have still come to pass. Here's the second thing. He had a right perspective on problems. You want to remember this, that problems are always about the price. Will you pay the price or will you postpone the price? We postpone the price when we blame others, when we make excuses, when we take shortcuts. David never did that. He paid the price. Job chapter 13, verse 15, Job said this, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Even if it doesn't happen like I'm hoping, I'm still going to trust God. What a great spirit that is to have. A right perspective on problems number three. He loved what God loves. Now David was far from perfect. Think about Bathsheba, Uriah. Think about numbering Israel. That's actually quite a long list of all the things that David did wrong. So then why does God say, even in the book of Acts, 
years after David's passed. Acts 13 verse 22 uh, or verse 21 says, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. God calls him a man after God's own heart, even though he messes up. Can anybody identify with that? Amen. I'm a man after God's own heart, but I'm not perfect. I hope you're a man or a woman after God's heart. If you stumble, keep being a person after God's heart. Get up from where you are. Psalm 26 tells us that for David, following God was not duty or obligation. It wasn't pressure or a bargaining chip. Verse 8 of that Psalm 26 says this, Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. I love your house. Saul, on the other hand, Saul loved but. Saul worshipped but. Saul served but. I really do thank God for all the people around my life and my world, all the people I know who love what God loves without conditions. They don't start trying to bargain with God. They go, I love your house. I don't just turn up. I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing. Here's number four out of the things that were different between Saul and David. Number four, he had a generational outlook. This is so important because Saul never had this. Matter of fact, at one point you can go and read about this. I think it's in, uh, well, it's in the Bible. It's 1 Samuel 14. Uh, Saul had a son called Jonathan, but Saul never, ever provided for Jonathan. He never talked to Jonathan about the future, never made way for Jonathan, never did anything generationally. Matter of fact, at one point, verse 44, he's going to kill his own son because he made a stupid statement in the heat of the battle and Jonathan never heard it. Jonathan uh, disobeyed it without knowing what was happening. And out of that, Saul's going to kill his own son. You go, hello? He, he persecuted the next generation. Let's read about David's provision for the next generation. First Chronicles 29 verse 1. Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced and the work is great because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might gold for things to be made of gold, silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colours, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of my God, there it is again, I have given to the house of my God over and above all of that, that I've prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver, 3,000 talents of gold, all the gold of Ophir, 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses, the gold for things of gold, silver for things of silver, and for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day for the Lord. I sat down and worked that out some time ago. Apart from the timber, the iron, the bronze, Apart from the marble slabs in abundance, David gave a cash offering to the next generation of $1.2 billion. B, B, not M, B. 
He had a generational outlook. Listen to me. He did all of that for something he would never see. Think about that. He did all of that for something he would never walk in the doors of. He would never stand outside of the temple and go, wow, I had a part to play in that. But he did have a part to play in it. He had a generational outlook. We as a church have always been about thinking beyond our now and thinking about who's not here, about how we reach people, about how we love people, about how we bless people. And we have for years and years and years, I think it's 27 years for hope in our community. 18 years for Red Frogs. Nearly 13 years for Transform. Kept on investing in what is yet to come. And can I say to you, it may be that I will never see everything that I've dreamed of and believed. Maybe I'll never see it all, but I will thank God every day that I got to be a part of investing in something that was beyond my time. Amen. We are serving the greatest king of the greatest kingdom on planet earth in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand if you want to. You may as well. David persecuted the next generation. David provided for it. Here's the last one here, number five. Saul had opinions. David had convictions. How do you know the difference? Well, you've got to wait for pressure. That's how you tell. If your convictions can be changed by pressure, by opinion, by a change of circumstance, it never was a conviction. You know, if you'd gone to Saul and said, Saul, do you love God? Oh, yes. Saul, do you, are you faithful to God? Oh, yes. But when pressure came, we find out that apparently Saul never had convictions. All he had was opinions. Well, that'd be good unless, well, I'm committed, but. And out of all of that, do you know what it takes to reach our world? Is people of conviction. Amen. Amen. That's what it takes. Is it always fun? Well, so far, not in my life. But there's been enough highlights to make up for all the lowlights. To see... I was in Kilgardie last Sunday afternoon, preaching. There it's a town of 800 people. And there in front of me is 60 to 70 people. That's almost 10% of a town. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's one of my highlights. A lady came up to me. I had a, I'd prayed for people that weren't, that had, by the word of knowledge, people were sick and whatever. And I remember praying for, some, for eczema and I said, lay hands on yourself. We haven't got time to bring you all out. Lay hands on yourself where you are. She came up to me and she said, look at my hand, look at my hand. I went and I said, yeah, it's a hand. What? She said, that's the point. She said, it's all gone. She said, all the pain that I had in there. She said, completely disappeared. She said, it's all gone. Another man came up and said, hey, can you pray for me? Because I've got the same thing. I said to her, you've had a miracle. You pray for him. And I walked off. Well, pass it on, brother. Pass it on, sister. Amen. So is it all fun? Is it all good? I'm never telling you, if you step up to serve in this church, that every day it'll be kumbaya. You know that every moment of it will be loving, beautiful Christians? That'll give you goosebumps every time you brush up against them? Walking together, fellowship sweet. 
We'll walk, we'll walk in the light. Now, some days you're going to go, oh, God. Lord, let me just lay hands. <laughs> Have you got convictions, though, or opinions? Saul feared the people leaving. And he's all of his convictions about worship, about faithfulness and honour went out the door. David had an opportunity to kill Saul and all of his team said, God's delivered him in your hand. This is your moment to strike. But David had a conviction. If I've got to make this happen, then I don't want it. I want God to open the door. And he said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. And he stepped back from that because he had a conviction. I'd love to tell you that Saul left him alone from then on, but that's not the truth. But David had a conviction about, I'm going to live for God. David had a conviction, I'm going to live faithfully in my relationships. David had a conviction that I'm going to honour God, number one, every time. No matter what comes my way, whether it's good or bad, that's where I live. And out of that, God set him up and gave him not just blessing, but he gave him generational impact into his life in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's pray together and ask God to help us. I, I, how many of you can say, I want to be a David kind of a guy? I definitely don't want to be a Saul guy. He ended up a mess. He really did. But God, I want to be a David kind of guy. I know you do. I know all of us do. Please don't think that I'm somehow rather praising those that have got it all together because I'm not sure that there's any of you here. I think you, most of you are like the rest of us. We say, God, would you help me grow? Lord, would you do something supernatural in my life so I can be what you want me to be? In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, help us today, every one of us, no matter how old we are or how young we are. Lord, we want to give you 100% of everything. We want to have a right perspective on problems. Help us, Lord, to truly love what you love. God, a generational outlook, everything we're doing is for people that will come after us. And Lord, I pray that we'll be people of conviction in every way in our life. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us. Just right where you are right now. Because, you know, we never preach. But there isn't a moment really where you can't go, that's me and God, I'm telling you this right now. I'm going to be that. I'm going to do that. Maybe I don't know which one of the five or all of the five or two of them you might need to take on board specially. But would you do that right now? Just take it on board. Say, God, I'm going to build that. I'm going to live out of that. I'm making my decision today. I'm going to be that person in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for helping us, each one of us. Team, please come. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah in the midst of everything. If it's a good day, I raise a hallelujah. And if it's a tough day, I'll still raise one. Amen. Not because he's fixed my problems, but because he's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. Would you stand with me a minute? Come on, let's worship. Don't leave, just stay with us a minute. We're not finished, but stand with us as we pray, as we worship. Come on. Thanks.
some of you here today maybe not walking with God I know there are people like that I don't know who you are I just know that you're here and I know that God wants to welcome you bring you in close see God is the originator of family that's why he calls the church never an organization he calls it his family it's the most often used metaphor in the whole of scripture for God's people it's a family he wants to welcome you into that. Maybe you're here this morning. You say, Jeff, I'm not walking with God. Maybe you've just never known how. No one ever told you. Maybe you thought, well, I've got to try and be good or I've got to believe. What have I got to believe again? But the Bible never says that. The Bible says this. It says, to as many as received Him, to those He gave the right to be called the children of God, even to them that believe on His name. What do you got to do today? You've got to invite Jesus into your life. It's as simple as that. Invite Him in. He'll come in. He'll begin to rearrange. He'll begin to change. He'll begin to speak to you about things you always thought were okay. He'll go, no, come on, let me work with you on that. He'll start to grow you. He'll start to fill you with a joy and a peace that passes all understanding. I'd love to pray for you. Come on. I know you're here today. I don't know who you are. I just know you're here. And I know that God wants to welcome you in if you'll just say yes to Him. Can I have every head bowed, every eye closed right through the building? Wherever you are right now, you say to me, Pastor, would you pray for me? Today, I want to say yes to following Jesus. Just let me know that's you by slipping your hand up in the air so I can see you. Then you can put it back down again. I'm going to pray for you this morning right where you are. Just wherever you are, just put it up, put it back down again. I'm going to love. Thank you back there. I can see you. Who else? Just wherever you are, just say, that's me. That's me and I want to say yes to Christ. I want to say to Jesus today, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to welcome you. Maybe you're away from God, but today you're going to come close to Him. Let me just look across the building one more time. I don't want to miss you out. But if that's you, would just slip it up, put it back down. And then I'm going to see you and I'm going to pray with you in Jesus' name. Fantastic. Heavenly Father, help each person today. As we say yes to you, I'd love it if you'd say this simple prayer to Jesus right now. Say these words after me. Lord Jesus, I'm saying yes to you. Thank you for welcoming me because I belong in your family. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 
Amen. Give those people a great big hand, would you? So well done. Congratulations on coming into God's family. What do I do? How do I grow? About a year and a uh, little bit ago, we started what we call Yes Text. It's up on the screen for you right now. You can grab one of these, say yes to Jesus, 0488-826-392. All you do is text yes to that number tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. or wherever you are in whatever time zone you're in in Australia. You will get the uh, Scripture along with a prayer that you can pray that day. And that begins your journey. You get it for 30 days unless you opt out, which of course you can do. I don't know why you would, but follow Him in that. And this is yours. We don't harvest it. It doesn't go to somewhere else. The only thing we ever tell you about, apart from that Scripture that comes, is that we'll let you know when the next water baptism is coming. And hundreds of people have done that over the last year and a bit. We've had people testify in the baptism tank. I said yes to Christ. I texted yes and began following Him. People tell us regularly, it's like every day God was speaking to them. I'd love you to do it. You can do it also on the web at yes.metrochurch.org.au and you'll get exactly the same. You can do it on the smartphone. You can do it on the web. We'd love to partner with you and help you grow in Jesus' name. If you're here, by the way, today and you go, Jeff, I'm new in the area. I don't have a church home. Stop off at the Connect Hub. Just go up and say, tell me about church. Tell me about this place. What do I, how, do I, how do I become a part of what God is doing here? Be our joy to bless you and help you. Amen.